morning or afternoon. It's good to see everybody as we kind of move our way towards Christmas and all the exciting things that go with it. It's good to see you today. Did you guys have a good week? Decent week. All right. Yes. Hey, why don't you do this? Take a moment and turn to the person beside you. Tell them this. Two things. Your favorite like Christmas story, Christmas movie, that kind of thing, and your favorite character in that TV show or movie, all right? What's your favorite Christmas movie or TV show? All right, so, so what are they? What are your favorite show? Elf. How many of you like Elf? I, I got to tell you, we watched Elf years ago, and then we were in New York, and we watched it in New York, and they laughed at things that I didn't know was funny. Uh, I learned some things in, in New York. How about A Christmas Story? Yeah, the old story. How Home Alone? Home Alone? <laughs> Miracle on 34th? Uh, and then what's the one? A Better Life? What is it? A Wonderful Life. I used to like that. They show it so much, right? Jimmy Stewart's good. How many of you watch those Lifetime Christmas movies? I got to warn you, okay? Because they're all relatively the same, just in different locations. But they all, uh, you know, fall in love. They have a little rocky, but it ends in love. And they're all beautiful people, aren't they? I mean, right, nobody in those Lifetime Christmas movies ever looks in the mirror and goes, oh, shoot. You know what I mean? They're all beautiful people, and they're rich. So, I mean, think about it. They are beautiful, rich, incredible relationship people. So if that describes your life, you'll probably be okay. But if it doesn't, you know, you might get a little depressed continuing to watch those things. We're in a series called Whoville. And I thought it'd be kind of fun. It's, uh, you know, a movie, a TV cartoon from, what, the 1960s. And then a, a, a book is how it all began by Dr. Seuss. And I thought we'd look at some of the different characters that are found in that story. And, of course, when it comes to the Grinch, how he stole Christmas, who's the main character of this story? Yeah, it's the Grinch himself. So if you want to pull out the outline that you got when you came in and write that in, the first character we're going to look at is actually the Grinch. Now, if it's been a while since you've read the book, let me read just a couple of pages to remind you. It says, every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was just too small. The Grinch. Here, here's the question that I have for you is who will steal Christmas this year? Who will steal Christmas this year? Because as we look at the characters of this story, my question, or overarching question is, who will you be this Christmas? Which one of these characters will you choose? 
Or I could even say a different way, who are you this Christmas? Are you the Grinch who will steal Christmas? Because we all know a Grinch, right? I mean, you either work with the Grinch or you're sitting next to a Grinch or you are the Grinch. Now, the Grinch comes in two varieties. There's the, the cynical, the Grinchy kind of person. And what I mean by that is your joy to the world. You've got your Starbucks Christmas cup. I mean, you are in Christmas mode. And then you meet this person. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Christmas is so commercialized. Everybody's out to make a buck. It's all about materialism. And, they just, and then after you leave them, they have stolen it from you. Right? They've stolen the joy, the excitement, the magic of Christmas. They're, they're grinchy. You know, they, they go around stealing the excitement, anticipation. And the older we get, the maybe the more tempted we are to become cynical. Uh, we get dealing with regret and all those other different emotions. Now, that doesn't mean that those things aren't true. It just means that we need to remember that this is the time of year when we celebrate that God came on a rescue mission for you. So whatever else Christmas is, it is still the celebration that the all-powerful God who created the world with his words, put on skin, limited himself to that skin because he loves you, right? And he loves me. So it's an incredible time of celebration. Now I was thinking, who in the, uh, which character in the first Christmas maybe most would identify with the Grinch. Is there one in that first Christmas? And of course there is. So if you've got your outline, it is King Herod. King Herod in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 7. Now remember the context here. The wise men, the magi, come from the east. They're following a star and they're looking for the new king. The star disappears, and so if you're looking for a king, where do you go? Go to the palace. They go to the palace, and they're like, hey, where's the new king? And Herod is freaked out by this. Because if there's a new king, guess what that means? The old king's on his way out. All right? And Herod wasn't ready for that. Look at what happens. Verse 7. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, you guys go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I, let's read this out loud together at all of our campuses today, so that I can go. Oh, yeah. He says, I want to party too. When you find him, tell me, you know, I want some eggnog. I want to be a part of this. And they go, and of course, the star reappears. They find Jesus. They give him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then they leave. And look at what happens in verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child, Jesus, and his mother, Mary. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to do what? To kill him. Verse 16, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. 
based on the wise men's report of when the star first appeared. So if you think about it, there are two types of Grinches, you might say. There's the cynical, just kind of critical, negative Grinch. And then there is the King Herod type Grinch. Christmas can be controversial too. Have you noticed that? I mean, there's, is it Merry Christmas? Is it Happy Holidays? Can you put the nativity scene in the courtyard? You know, all those different kinds of things. And uh, why is that? I mean, why does anybody care if a little baby in a feed trough with a few animals around him is stuck in the middle of a, a courtyard or something like that? Why, why is it such a big deal? I think it's because intrinsically we know that if, well, not if, he didn't stay in the manger. That's the problem. He didn't stay in the manger. He got out of the manger and he said, I am the new king. I am here to rule. I am here to be Lord. And so I think even intrinsically that for some of us, we know that if he is Lord, if he's the new king, then what happens to the old king? And who is the old king of your life or my life? It's me. In other words, there are implications if he gets out of that manger. And so there's a tendency to just want to eradicate him from the whole deal. You know, let's just focus on Santa and the Christmas tree and, and that kind of stuff. Let's just eradicate him. The, the King Herod type of Grinch. Now, here's the good news is that whether you be a cynical Grinch or you be a King Herod Grinch, they can both be redeemed. And that's the story of Christmas. That's what Christmas is really all about. And uh, we'll see that. Uh, a little bit later, even here in the story. So you got the Grinch, but who else do you have in this story by Dr. Seuss? We well, have the Who's, right? I mean, who would live in Whoville other than the Who's? Let me read a little bit about them. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve watching the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging their mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow's Christmas it is practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the who girls and boys would wake bright and early and rush to their toys. And then, oh, then, oh, the noise, the noise, noise, noise. And that's the one thing he hated, the noise, noise, noise. So here's my question for you today is who will miss Christmas this year? Who will miss Christmas this year because the Who's were very busy with Christmas, weren't they? And if you watch the movie, because they had two hours to fill, they, they kind of dive into this a lot more. They're busy. And, you know, you and I are busy, aren't we? This time of year can be really, really busy. We got to buy Christmas cards and we have to send them out. And we have to put up our Christmas trees and we have to decorate with Christmas lights and we have to cook Christmas foods. And man, we've got meetings and we've got parties and we've got all of these things that we have to do. And if we're not careful, 
just like the Who's, we can miss Christmas. We just get so busy. Now, remember that if you and I get so busy, we miss Christmas, it's because we choose to do that. Right? I mean, we want to blame somebody. It's tendency. It's, it's not your fault you're so busy. It's, it's, it's your boss's fault. It's your business's fault. They just, oh, they ask so much. It's, 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 it's your family's fault. They want you to host the dinner. That's not fair. It's going to be somebody else's turn, right? But the reality is that if we get so busy, not bad, but busy, that we miss Christmas, well, it's because that's... That's what we choose. Is there anybody in the Bible, that first Christmas, any character of the first century Christmas story that can relate to the Who's? Well, there is. Quite famous in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, there is the innkeeper. And I, and I want us to read this together because almost any time you read the Christmas story, you include Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, the innkeeper. So let's read this out loud. You ready? Ready? <laughs> Here we go. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was... Okay, that's pretty pitiful. Let's do it again. Because there was... Yeah, no room. Now, why wasn't there any room? Well, it's because it was tax time. And Caesar said that everybody had to go to their hometown in order to pay their taxes. So it was a busy time of the year, and it was a once-in-the-year opportunity to make some dough, to make some money. Those people had to stay somewhere. They had to eat somewhere. They had to do something. And so all the inns, all the hotels were booked. All people were staying in, in their rooms and in their houses. And I mean, it's just a great, great opportunity, serving them food, just to make some money, to make up for the year, kind of like an early Black Friday. And then there comes to this innkeeper, knock at the door. He goes and he opens the door, and on the other side of the door is Joe. And Mary, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. God. God with skin on. The God who spoke the world into his existence. is right there at his door. But he's busy. And he doesn't recognize it. Not because he's bad or evil. The Bible doesn't tell us that. He's just, just busy. And so... Jesus and Mary don't get pushed out into the cold. He, he does give them the only space that he has. It's, it's a cave or a barn. And Jesus is born in a manger. And I, I can't help but, but wonder, did the innkeeper ever know the opportunity he missed? I mean, Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus, I mean, if he would have known that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was, was right there, he would have given him a place of honor. I wonder, if did he ever know that? I mean, did he go to bed that night because he was so tired and he didn't wake up when the shepherds show up and all the stuff happened? And can you imagine that if he never really realized that Jesus was born on his property, that as an old man, he just started complaining one day. Nothing ever good happens to me. 
I never get any opportunities. Just bad, bad, bad. They get opportunities, and she gets opportunities, and even those evil people over there, I try to do what God wants me to do. I've tried to live a good life, and nothing good ever happens to me. I wonder if he ever knew the incredible opportunity that he missed. And I got to thinking, you know what? I bet the same thing happens to us. I got to thinking, how many opportunities have I just missed? Not because I'm bad, because I'm evil. I just get busy. It was right there. I just didn't see it. Or if he did realize it. If one day somebody said, what was it like for Jesus? What was Mary like? What was old Joe like? What? What? Yeah. They were born. He was born in, in the cave back down behind your house. I wonder what kind of regret he had. You ever have that regret? Man, I sure wish I would have took better care of. I sure wish I would have put a higher priority on. Missed opportunities. So I, I, I ask you this Christmas is who will, who will miss Christmas? Because Christmas doesn't always come in the box that we expect it to or to be wrapped like we expect it. Just a few weeks ago, we brought turkeys. I think we brought 1,700 turkeys as a church together. That's pretty cool, right? 1,700 turkeys. <clears throat> And in addition to that, hundreds of pies and hundreds of hams. Now, why did we bring turkeys? I mean, there are other ways to feed hungry people. We didn't bring the turkeys because it was the cheapest way to feed people. The reason we brought turkeys is because we didn't just want to feed people. We also wanted to give value to people. We wanted to remind people that no matter what has happened in their past, to not let their past determine their future. That we, just like God, believe in them and that we're willing to spend resources on them. That's why we got turkeys. That's Christmas. It's a rescue mission. Christmas is about rescuing people so that they can embrace their potential. And that's what we did. That's what you were a part of. Did you miss it? I mean, did you, did you get a turkey or were you just busy that weekend? I mean, somebody else would get your turkey, right? Somebody else would get a pie. I mean, I know you could get together with several people and put your money together and get a pie, a ham, or a turkey. But, I mean, that's hard, and you don't really know anybody. And I mean, I mean again, it's not that you're bad. You're just you're busy. Did you miss it? Some of you weren't even here that weekend. You're like, what, turkeys, huh? I, you know what I mean? And again, you weren't here not because you're bad. You just had a busy Saturday. And work gets busy this time of year. And so you just slip in. What's it hurt? Just just one weekend. You missed it. See, Christmas sometimes is right there. And we just get so busy that we we miss it. One of the things that happens this time of the year. It may be at your workplace, but it always happens here at Potential Church as well. And that's where we ask you. We say, hey, why don't you bring a toy? Do you miss that? Maybe you even go get the toy, but you miss the Christmas that's involved in giving the toy. 
You just do it because it's another something on your list so that you can put a check mark to it. But do you really engage with that? Do you include your family with that? Do you think about what you're doing? Because those toys are going to real people. All of these different <clears throat> organizations that we partner with on Mission Saturday is where we're taking those toys. And there's more here than I can go over, but let me just share a few of these with you. Here at Cooper City, one of them is the Lotus House. It's a shelter dedicated to improving the lives of homeless women and youth and children. The toys are, they're going to go there to remind those kids that they're loved, that they're valued. Of course, the Miami Res Rescue Mission and the Broward Outreach Mission. There's Christie's House dedicated to healing and eradicating children, uh, child sexual abuse in Miami by helping those who have become victims. That's, that's where your toys are going. Some child that's been taken advantage of and emotionally and sexually been abused by people that they trusted. There's his house, again, that ministers to children. There's the Children's Home Society. There's just, I can't go over all of them that we do here at the Riverside uh, House. It, one of the groups that the toys are going is for the families whose fathers are uh, incarcerated. Because so many times when people get put into jail, their families are the ones who suffer and are often forgotten. In Hollandale, there's the Christian Missions Group, which is to help uh, homeless college kids and, and families that are in need. <clears throat> in the Bahamas, there's the Bahamas Crisis Center, which again helps people that are experiencing physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. In Pensacola, it's the Sacred Hearts Children's Hospital. It's the only hospital in Florida solely dedicated to the care of sick and injured babies and children. There's 117 beds. That's where the toys are going. To a child and a family who unexpectedly, I'm sure, all of a sudden are facing some kind of tragedy. In Lima, there's uh, the Graceland organization that ministers to kids. And in Lima, there's several. One of them is an orphanage that we've been a part of and helped for years. Several years ago, because of your greatest gift offering, about 45 people bought them a ticket. They went over there. This orphanage didn't even have uh, hot water. And so what we did is we put in hot water. They hadn't had new mattresses in over a decade. We bought new mattresses. We painted the walls. We've got them bedspreads, a Christmas tree. We got gifts for all the, the, the kids. Don't, don't miss that. See, when, when you bring a toy, those are the kind of things that you're doing. And even though that box sets right out there at every single campus, so many people walk by it and they miss it. They miss it. They miss the opportunity to be a part of Christmas. They see the commercialism and they see the materialism and they see all of those things that distract them from the incredible Christmas that God's got right, right there. Just like, just like the innkeeper. Nothing like the smile of a child, is there? But the anticipation and the magic of Christmas, the hope for the hurting, and whether it be greatest gift or whether it be serving through all the services that we do so that people can come to Christ. You have the Grinch. He's a character, of course. 
You have the Who's. They live in Whoville. And then the third one that I put there in your outline is Max. Do you know who Max is in the story? Max is the dog. All right. Let me read to you in case you have forgotten. Remember the Grinch? He's trying to steal Christmas, so he figured he's going to dress up like Santa and make it happen. I know just what to do, the Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and coat. And he chuckled and clucked, what a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. And the Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the Grinch? No, the Grinch simply said, if I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max, then he took some red thread, and he tied a big horn on top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks and a ramshackled sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, giddy up, and the sleigh started down towards the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. Here's my question for you, is who will believe this Christmas? Who will believe this Christmas? Belief is our reason for obedience, right? When I say who will believe, I'm really asking the question is who will be obedient this Christmas? Because obedience flows out of belief. If you've hung out at potential, you know the word belief means, uh, it's a Greek word, pistuo, which means to act, to trust, to put your weight into something. See, belief always acts. Hope demands nothing, right? You can hope to lose weight and never go on a diet. You can hope to be rich and never get out of bed, but you can't believe that you will lose weight without going on a diet because belief moves towards what it's calling forth. Belief always acts. So when I ask the question, who's going to believe this Christmas? What I'm really asking is who's going to be obedient? Did you know that this book that we call the Bible talks about every aspect of your life? Did you know that? It talks about your marriage. It talks about dating. It talks about money. It talks about your business. It talks about leadership. It talks about politics. It talks about parenting. It talks about depression. I mean, every aspect of your life right here. And it doesn't just talk about it. God will say, hey, go left because I love you and this will lead to success. Don't go right. Go up. Don't go down. All that information is right here. But you and I have to answer the question, do we believe it? See, Max, if you've read the book or watched it, it's interesting. Max never appears to actually know what's going on. Right? I mean, it's like, uh, you want me to wear horns and pretend to be a reindeer. But he does what the Grinch asked him to do. You know why? Because the Grinch is his master. And as his master, Max is obedient because he believes that he believes in what the Grinch says. The Grinch is fed him and taking care of him. And I ask again myself the question, is there anybody at the first Christmas, any character that we can relate to? 
that believes. And of course, I believe it's the central characters other than Jesus himself. It's Joseph and Mary. So look with me in Matthew chapter 1. Now remember what's going on here. Joe and Mary are engaged. And if you've ever been engaged, or better yet, even have children who have gone through this process, there's an excitement, right? I'm engaged. We're planning, we're getting magazines, we're looking at wedding dresses, we're renting facilities. I mean, it's just, you know, an exciting. And all of a sudden, Mary comes to Joe one day and she's like, Joe, I'm pregnant. Now, Joe and Mary have never been sexually intimate. So the moment Mary tells Joe, I'm pregnant, Joe knows it's not his. So he thinks it's Larry's down the road. And, and Mary's like, no, not Larry. You don't have to worry about it, Joe. It's God. Yeah, God. An angel told me so. Now, I got to admit, Joe's a lot nicer than I would have been. All right? I mean, I, I mean, come on now. That's crazy. But look at how Joseph responds. Verse 19. So Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. And when, Jesus, I mean, when Joseph woke up, he did... As the angel of the Lord had commanded. You think Joe understood it all? You think he had it all worked out? Okay, I'm going to... Do you think it didn't go through his mind that everybody's going to think that that's Larry's boy? They're not going to believe that God did this, that he's the Messiah. But he didn't let what other people were going to think keep him from being obedient. Why? Because he believed what the angel said. Didn't understand it, but he believed it. And the same thing happened to Mary. Look with me in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel appeared to her as well and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She's confused, disturbed. Mary tried to figure what in the world that could mean. The angel says, don't be, uh, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary asked the question that all of us would ask. Well, how can that happen? I'm a virgin. And then the angel responds and tells her how. And look what it says in verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left. What is Mary saying? Mary's saying, I'll do what you asked me to do. Why? Because I believe. I don't understand it. I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. But I believe. And I got to thinking, how does, how does belief affect my Christmas? How does belief affect my Christmas? And the first thing that came to my mind is all the services that we do here at Potential Church. I mean, we're going to do a Christmas uh, communion service um, on that Wednesday. And then we're going to do Christmas Eve's Eve multiple services. Then we're going to do services all day on Christmas uh, Eve along with baptism. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to do services. Stephanie and I have been married for 27 years. And in those 27 years, about 25 of those years, we've never been home on Christmas Eve. 
In the last eight years, we've never been home except for a few hours in the morning on Christmas morning. We've been here. Why? Why would we do that? Why would we give up that time, that energy, and that effort? The reason is because I believe that when Jesus said, go, we're supposed to go. I believe that if people don't trust Christ, that they will spend eternity separated from him. And that Christmas is one of the times when you can invite folks and they'll come. It is that belief that leads me to be obedient and impacts my Christmas. That's, that's what I believe. So that leads me to that question, who, who will believe this Christmas? Can I tell you another way in which belief affects my Christmas is every year, maybe you do the same. We buy gifts for people we don't like. Right? People we don't like. And, and you're like, well, why in the world would you buy gifts for people you don't like? You know, you right, you work hard for your money, and, and there's other folks and you need to buy gifts for and people to help. And there's all this stuff going on, and you're out buying gifts for people you don't like. Why would you do that? Because I believe what Acts in Acts 25, when Paul quotes Jesus and he says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I believe that. Not hope. I believe that. So I'm going to act upon that. And you know what Jesus also said? He said that we are to love our enemies. And what better way to express that love than to give that which you and I hold most dear, which is our money, to purchase something to give. That's why I do it. Maybe why you do it. If you, if you do it, it's because I believe. It's not because I want to. So don't. Rather get me some. But we get them something. Why? Because we believe. Same thing is true every year with greatest gift. You hear us challenge. We've done it uh, uh, ever since we were in the, the other facility over there. Say, hey, every year, hey, we want you to give your greatest gift to Christ. Not to Best Buy. Not to the, no, no, give it to Christ. Now, if I'm going to ask you to do that, then Steph and I have to model that. Or it would be the height of hypocrisy. And so that means that every year we wrestle with what does God want us to give above our consistent giving of our tithe? What, what, is, what does he want us to do? How much should we give? And I got to tell you, it is not an enjoyable process. Now, it's enjoyable after the fact to see the growth in our lives. Why do we do that? Well, it, it's because I believe that when the scripture says, in the same way in which we give, so do we also receive. See, I believe that when, this, when Paul's receiving an offering, he says, hey guys, the same way in which you give, so do you also receive. Therefore, anytime there's an opportunity to give, it is a prelude to God meeting the needs in my life. They're, they're in a time of the year when there's so much need and when there's so many places that my money needs to go in those seasons of life when the need in my life is great I believe that the pathway to get those needs met is to be generous that's what I believe and therefore I don't just hope that God will somehow drop money out of the sky and meet my need I 
believe. I believe that when Jesus said in Matthew 6 that where your money goes, your heart will follow. I believe that. I don't want my heart to follow on things. I don't want my heart to be focused on me. It's so easy for me to do. I want my heart to be focused on others. And so I, I give I'm, because I believe. Well, who, what's another character? Well, what about Dr. Seuss himself? Right, he, he's written a whole lot of different books, and all of his books, I noticed, have lessons. So here, here's my question is, who will share Christmas? Just as Dr. Seuss shares these lessons in all of his different books. Is there a biblical character in the first century Christmas that uh, is similar to Dr. Seuss? Well, there is. It's found in Luke chapter 2, and it's the shepherds. Listen to what the shepherds do. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Here's my favorite verse, favorite Christmas verse, maybe favorite verse. But the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds did what? What's it say? The shepherds did what? Told everyone what had happened and what the angel said. They told everyone. What did they do? They shared Christmas. Will you share? Who will share Christmas outside of their home? Who will share Christmas outside of the church? How do you do that? How do you share Christmas, the message of Christmas? You know, I think one of the easiest ways that we often don't think of is that we can share Christmas by, uh, with our energy and our countenance. If you go to the mall in December the 20th through December the 25th, you will have a whole bunch of people that have said they love this time of the year, but they will look like they're miserable, right? Johnny, get over here, you know, and, just, uh, and then they'll stand in line and they'll say, what are you doing for Christmas? <sighs> Going to family. <sighs> they give me such a headache, right? So how do we share the message of Christmas? To these folks who are with our countenance. First of all, we smile. Let, 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 me, let me see. Let me see if you can do it, okay? Because I can't tell from here, all right? So smile. Let's see. Just see smile. Come on. Smile. Come on. I know it's hard for some of you. Look at the person next to you. Smile at them. Come on. Smile. Right? I know. Oh, he's making a smile. It's just so pitiful. Smile, right? All right, smile. And then here's, now I'm going to tell you. They, if you do what I'm about to tell you next, they will ask you about what's different in you. Okay? You ready for this? I mean, because it's happened to me. They have asked me, oh, there seems to be something different. What is it? Here it is. Here's it. Be patient. Just be patient. It's incredible. I mean, that's one of the great benefits. I don't know about all the other campuses. That's one of the great benefits of living in South Florida is that nobody's patient. So when you're patient, just be patient. 
I mean, this, is a, this has happened on numerous occasions to me. Walmart or the mall or somewhere. And somebody, they will actually ask me, what, what, what do you do? Or what do you mean? Well, what do you, what do, you do? What do you, what's your job? And, and then, of course, you know, you, uh, I'm a pastor. I'm like, oh, I knew there's something different. I said, whoa, what, what is it? You're just so patient. Now, my wife has never told me that, all right? What a, what a way to share. Have that energy. Countenance. When we were in New York, I noticed there was a lot of Salvation Army kettles, you know. And, and at one of them or several of them, you'd have the person and they'd have the bell and they'd bing, you know, ring, 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 you know. And then you'd have other folks, they have a little Santa hat on. And they'd be, you know, almost a smile. And they'd kind of be a ring, 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 ring. And then there was this one guy. And he had a Santa hat. He had a Santa shirt. And he had a Bluetooth speaker rocking some Christmas music. And he was like, you know what? Ring it, ring it, ring it, ring it. You know, come on. Oh, you know. And I'm like, I want, I want to give to him. Because I, I, want, I want what he's got. I don't want to think about how cold it is and how much my feet hurt and how all these people are bothering me and I don't know why we came in the first place. No, no, he's in the same cold weather. He's looking at the same people. His feet hurt in the same way. But there's something different about him. And I want to know what it is. And you and I can share Christmas in the same way. Don't let all of this stuff that is going on around you. Why? Because like the angel said, we've got good news that brings great joy to all people that today in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. It is awesome. That's the reason we print these cards is so you can invite Right? So it's, it's a tool to help your friends, your family, the folks that you are doing life with to say, hey, why don't you come? Here's the times. Here's the address online. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right here. Come on, hang out with us. That's what they're for. And then lastly, we circle all the way back around. Last character. It's the Grinch. Dead again. Because I, I don't know if you've read the end of the book. But let me read the end of the book. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, because remember, once he stole everything, he thought everybody would be sad, but they weren't, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, and bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas just perhaps means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And in the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And the Grinch, he himself carved the roast beast. In other words, he was redeemed. And so that's my question is who will be redeemed? Like the wise men. The wise men were Gentiles. And yet their heart was transformed to the point to where they were willing to have the faith to follow a star and then give gold 
frankincense, and myrrh. The transformation or redemption comes first maybe to those who have even trusted Christ. But you will be redeemed from your cynicism, from your critical heart, from the perspective in which you see this season. So rather than complain about the commercialism or see only materialism, you will see that this is the season that we celebrate. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And maybe this is the year you never give over that that you're not distracted by all the things Christmas is, is that it ought not be. And you see what Christmas is. And then there are others that need a redemption on the outside and the inside. That rather than try to eradicate this king, you come to the realization that you need this king. The Bible says that that transformation happens Merely by calling upon him, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will experience salvation. You can do it. Ask him right where you are. Just simply saying, God, I've, I've, I've been the king for a long time now. I've been the one in charge. I've been trying to do good, but it's just not working. So forgive me for being the king, and I want you this Christmas to be the king, the master, the CEO. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And the Bible says that when we do that, which is so difficult, which is to surrender, that God does what we ask him to do. So would you bow your head? And if you've never trusted him, I invite you make him king this Christmas who will you be this Christmas it is a choice that we all make father I thank you I thank you for the rescue mission of Christmas I thank you that you love me enough to put on skin be born in a manger go to a cross and resurrect from the grave. May this Christmas be the Christmas that you in my life are our Lord, Lord of every aspect, Lord in every way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today.